0: I mean, you already know who it is. All hustle, no swag, baby. Blazing T.W. in the house. Best comedian in Taiwan. Black and Asian. All American. All Taiwanese. You know what it is. Half American, half Taiwanese. Half werewolf, half vampire. It's all that.
1: I did. I am both. into vampires, actually. So really? that's great. I'm Taiwanese Welcome to Taiwan Ren, where you'll hear stories of Taiwanese innovators, makers, and advocates. I'm your host, Cindy, and today we're meeting with Brandon O'Neill, who's better known by his stage name, TW. Brandon is a half-Black and half-Taiwanese comedian who grew up in Taiwan. You may have seen him on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, or a variety show. In light of the recent Asian hate crimes in America, I really wanted to bring Brandon on to shed some light on the racism that happens in Taiwan as well. So we talk about what it's like to grow up here as a visible minority, how the Taiwanese can be more accepting, and the inspiration behind this comedy. If you want to laugh today, keep listening. (laughs) Let's get into it. Hi, Brandon. Tell us about yourself and your connection to Taiwan.
0: I'm a biracial who mostly grew up here in Taiwan, some years spent in states like kindergarten and university. Those are the years spent in states. Otherwise, I was here and I was in local school, in preschool, and first to third grade. Other than that, I was in the American school, so I was getting an English education. And what do you do? I'm a comedian. That's the easiest way I'd put it. I do modeling, acting, voice acting, just a jack-of-all-trades. Whatever to make the quick bucks, you know? (laughs) Gotta make the quick bucks out of you.
1: I always want to get into voice acting as well.
0: Really? Specifically
1: minions. (laughs) Okay, what was it like to grow up as a mixed race, I guess visible minority in Taiwan?
0: I gotta say, compared to what I see now, because I have other friends with kids who are mixed race and stuff, Mm -hmm. it was much tougher back then. And I even know another friend who's another generation older than me, and he was mixed race back in the 70s and 80s in Taiwan. And that was even more tough. So I think it's gotten easier over time as mm-hmm. everything's gotten more international. Mm-hmm. Because when I was younger, it was not cool to be black. There was not NBA. There was not all these celebs that people can look up to. When you were black, you were just different and you would be made fun of for it and tortured, mm-hmm. essentially. Okay. Yeah, so I, I had to deal with a lot of bullying when I was younger.
1: Do you have any specific incidents that kind of stayed with you and maybe even shaped who you are now?
0: Oh, yeah. So this is actually, it's a little dark.
1: That's but, okay. <laughs> but
0: people always ask me, they say, well, why are you so funny? Mm. And the reason why I'm funny is because I used to use humor to deal with being bullied. Because I remember even in preschool or when I was in first to third grade, I would get beat up at school. And if I could keep the bullies from beating me up by making them laugh the longer I made them laugh you know mm-hmm. then they weren't beating me up and mm-hmm. at the time it was weird because I would fight with them and then it would always be like multiple kids versus me and I'd, I'd lose you know and then I'd go tell the teachers and the teacher would be like oh you guys are fighting you all get beat so I get two whoopings yeah and then i go the home
1: victims get exactly in get trouble too. as exactly
0: well. so then I'd go okay. home and I'd tell my parents mm-hmm. I'd say hey mom I got beat up today at school and she was just like, oh, okay, okay, you know, because she she th- just thought. Yeah, I asked her as yeah. an adult, like when maybe when I was in high school, I said, hey, you know, you remember when I used to come home with scars and bruises all the time? I would tell you that I got beat up at school. How come you never did anything? And she said, oh, you doing tiao pi? You're just naughty. I thought you were just playing. You know, you're such a naughty kid. So I just assumed you were. Oh,
1: you so know, she messing didn't know how deep it was. She went. didn't
0: understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that also shaped me in that I didn't have help from my parents. They didn't see it as an issue.
1: Mm -hmm. That's very true because I guess out in Canada or the U.S. you have your immigrant communities and support and maybe you were even more alone here. So did you find a community or how did that?
0: I did have friends and they would stand up for me but they would also just get bullied and it's interesting because it's all the kids who didn't know me. If there were kids in my own class Mm -hmm. I was fine with them. They were all friends. But outside of that, if they didn't know me, then I was an easy target.
1: Right. That makes sense. So did you ever struggle with your own identity growing up because of this?
0: I never really struggled with my own identity. I don't know. Like I didn't ever regret being born the way I am or anything. I just saw it like this is the way it is, Mm -hmm. you know. And as I got older, I started to understand what a third culture kid was. And I was like, oh, that's where I fit in, you know, because I'm not. Truly Taiwanese, but nor do I fit in entirely in the U.S. as well, because you are in that odd middle space, that gray zone.
1: Mm-hmm. So looking back, is there any advice or what would you say to your younger self?
0: Keep doing you. Make no. them laugh. Kill them with kindness. <laughs> you know, as I think Abraham Lincoln said this, do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? And that's a quote I still live by today. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can get mad and fight people, but that just makes enemies. But if you can befriend them, then there's the chance that you can educate them. Because if you build a bridge where you're actually communicating, yeah. and there's channels of communication, then they can overcome that initial ignorance.
1: Mm-hmm. So I think so far we've covered more obvious acts of racism where, you know, you get bullied or people maybe make fun of you for the color of your skin. I wonder in Taiwan, since you've lived here way longer than me, other forms of racism you've experienced?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) one prime example I think about is my grandma. Just in general, you know, how fair skin is held as the beauty standard here. So, you know, my grandma would tell me things, my Taiwanese grandma, my Mm ama, she would say, oh, like, you're perfect. You're tall and handsome and funny. If only you had lighter skin.
1: I'm <laughs> like, You're <own> Damn. I'm
0: <laughs> like, damn, grandma. <laughs> damn. But, you know, I never took it personal. I'd joke with her. I'd be like, oh, no, I'll switch her to your side. I'm going to go tan some mo.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got the same thing because, mm-hmm. like, after I hit puberty, TMI. But my skin started changing color. So I'm more like of Like a chameleon. Olive. Yes, exactly, naturally. So my mom started buying me all this Maybuy products. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't work on me, nor do I like it. And (laughs) I think, thankfully, being tan and healthy was coming into fashion. Yes. But I definitely think women have a lot of that pressure as well. Oh, yeah, they they get that pressure a lot more. Yeah. Do you ever see subtle, like, more subtle forms of racism here?
0: Yes, when it comes to um, landlords renting out houses. There's a lot of that. They don't want to rent to foreigners. Mm-hmm. But this doesn't apply to just black people. It can also be oh, yeah, Caucasians too. they like, oh, I don't want to rent to foreigners because they're more likely to party and so on and so forth. But in general, I'd say the racism in Taiwan comes from a place of ignorance. Mm-hmm. They just simply have never seen some or met or interacted with someone of another race. And so they don't know how to behave. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times it's up to me to give them cues, you know, so they'll make a joke like everyone I meet they're going to make a joke about, oh, I can't see you in the dark. That's like the go-to joke. I'm like, I've heard this a million times. <laughs> now, obviously, so to me, do I want to get mad about it? Mm-hmm. Or do I want to take the opportunity to educate them and maybe joke about it and lighten the mood? Mm-hmm. Because if I came at them with that kind of energy and was mad about it, I'd be mad all the time. People make that joke so much. Mm-hmm. So I see it as um, I give them cues and then I tell them, I'm like, no, it's not very funny. Because I've heard this joke a lot. And if they don't understand. Because there are still people who are not just not smart, but dumb. <laughs> not smart, but also dumb. Yeah. And there's people like that who exist. And so it's a little harder. But maybe just stay away from those two people.
1: Yeah, that's another way do Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, but that actually made me think of a, a book I read as well. It's called Whistling Vivaldi. Mm-hmm. And it's addressing, I guess... The way people view black people in America, and especially have a hoodie on, in the dark, you know, on the street. So he whistles Vivaldi to send a de- cue that I'm not dangerous. And, <laughs> like, you know, and it's, it's interesting. You just come up with your own mechanisms.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So what would you say are people's most common misconceptions about you?
0: I think when they see me, they immediately assume that, oh, I play basketball or I love hip hop, which <laughs> one of those things is true hip-hop i don't play basketball never yeah. played i'm horrible
1: But actually <laughs> so i thought that because you have like the muscles the
0: muscle <laughs> the muscle make sport good no i mean it's a fine motor skill sport i have horrible <laughs> oh, I mean, hand-eye coordination so um yeah,
1: i know not to throw things yeah <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> So it's funny because whenever I walk onto a basketball court, you know, Taiwanese people are like, oh my gosh, it's a black guy. Oh my God, look at him. He's Jackie's going oh, to dominate. And as soon as I start dribbling, they all crack up. They're like, oh my
1: gosh. It's like a comedy,
0: you know. Unintentional comedy. That's true.
1: That's, yeah. You're really just bad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fair. But I
0: am a hip-hop head. I enjoy hip-hop.
1: So are there other misconceptions, you think?
0: Definitely that maybe they're more violent. There's that whole misconception. Hmm. I mean, with that one... It doesn't negatively affect me as much in Taiwan, Mm -hmm. only in so much as that people never want to fight. You know, like I'll get into car accidents and people come out (laughs) and I was going to, you know, people get in the, I don't want to fight, but sometimes, okay, I'll give you an example. I was driving once Mm -hmm. and someone rear ends me. They rear end me because they're texting or something. And the guy gets out of the car and steps out. Seems like he wants to fight. I step out too. And he sees me, and he gets back in the car. And there's a lot of that, you know, just like people, (laughs) they're like, oh, yeah, what the, and then they see me, and they're like, oh, never mind. Uh, Oh, And I don't know if it's like they're scared necessarily, or, oh, it's a foreigner, I can't even communicate with them, I don't want to bother. Or another time, it's even like just, it's a weird kind of internal racism, where it's like, they want to be nice to foreigners, Uh or something. They'd be nicer to foreigners than they would be to another Taiwanese person. Like, oh, That's hello. How are you? <laughs> like, I got in an accident once. The guy came out and he was all mad at me. And then he realized I was a foreigner. He's like, oh, hello. And I actually made a skit about this. This is mm. in one of my skits. Where mm-hmm. the guy gets in a car accident with me. And then he's mad initially until he realizes I'm a foreigner. And then he tries to use his English in a humorous way. He's like, hello, nice to meet you. How are you? Oh. Did you break
1: out your Mandarin? I no yeah. used it?
0: No, in that case, I did not in real life, no.
1: <laughs> Sorry, going back to the violence thing, mm-hmm. I do want to ask because my mom actually tells me about 大男人主義 mm, in Taiwan. Yeah. So I wonder, since you have kind of lived in Taiwan, lived in America, you've been exposed to different mm-hmm. kinds of masculinity, so to speak. What do you think of masculinity in Taiwan?
0: I think there's not as much of what you would term, I think, toxic masculinity as compared to the States. But there's definitely, you know, what they call the patriarchy. Mm. Because there is the... But I feel like with the younger generation, it seems to be less so. But obviously, I don't go on dates with guys. So I couldn't speak about (laughs) that. But I've heard there is the thing where nowadays people, they want to pay their own bill. You know, they don't want to let the guy pay for everything because then they think, oh, you owe me something. There's some unspoken agreement that's mm-hmm. that's going on there in their heads. And that's where I would see the toxic side of it.
1: I do like some of your skits where I do think you subvert a lot of gender expectations as well. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking of the <laughs> one where you're working out, but you're pretending to be female. Yes. And, then
0: <laughs> and a guy hits on me. <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, 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 yes. Because I, I see that kind of thing happening all the time. And okay, this is kind of another topic, but the reason why I started thinking about this was actually an experience I had in the MRT. Mm. So one time I was in the MRT and I was just standing there. And the car was it was pretty empty. But then mm-hmm. this guy comes up to me. He doesn't come up to me. He stands next to me. And I'm facing one way and he's almost like a T to me. You know, he's yeah. facing to my left, but standing. Okay. So one of his left arm is almost right against me. Uh-huh. And so as we're riding, he just kind of like, brushes against my crotch and i'm like okay maybe it's an accident right because the train's moving mm. but then it becomes clear to me that he's actually trying to brush my cr- because it becomes more and more frequent you know he's like kind of
1: mm.
0: nudging into it and then he's just kind of like full on almost rubbing and the whole time i was thinking like okay what should i do at first i thought it was an accident you know i tried to move away and move it i did move a little bit away but then he would move a little closer as well so i knew it wasn't an accident he was doing it on purpose and in that scenario, I was wondering, what should I do? Because I really wanted to just thrash this guy, right? I wanted to just pummel him. But how would that look to everyone else? A foreigner, mm-hmm. nevertheless, a black guy, a buff black guy just suddenly starts pummeling this small dude. Because he, he was a small mm. Taiwanese guy. And so it would look bad on my part, right? Everyone would think, oh, this guy just went crazy and he started punching him. So I knew that wasn't the path I could take. So I was like, what can I do to teach this guy a lesson? Uh So he won't do this in the future, but also not get myself in trouble Uh and cause a commotion. Uh So eventually I settled on, I grabbed his finger, his offending finger, and and I twisted it and I looked him in the eye and I just stared at him really close. And I was just glaring at him. And then I threw his hand away. He just immediately like looked away and the, the next stop and he walked out
1: got the message
0: yeah he got the message oh. and when I told my mother that story he was like oh my gosh that's so good that you did that because he probably does that all the time if mm-hmm. he's willing to do it to you then he's bold enough to do it to a lot of other people and then yeah. it got me thinking I was like this happens to women all the time yes you know and I was like damn in that moment I could really feel empathy for people who've been through this situation because they do not have the monopoly on violence so how would they deal with it and so that, that got me mm-hmm. thinking a lot in terms of those skits so I was like yeah it does feel good when you see them get thrashed doing when, yeah. when those perverts. Yeah,
1: I love that you have these skits <clears throat> sort of as an outlet to express those kinds of maybe frustrations. Mm-hmm. And even as you're talking about that story, the fact that you thought about the consequences of how people would see foreigners or a black guy like that shows me too. You do carry some sort of burden of responsibility there.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, you just have to be aware of your actions and the mm-hmm. repercussions.
1: I should do that more often. For myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: kidding. What, yeah. what, what sort of <laughs> scenarios are you <laughs> getting into?
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a hard question. So what do you think Taiwanese people as a society could do a better job of in terms of being more accepting to those that aren't like them? This is outside of race. It's race, it's also sexual orientation or preference.
0: I really think it's just getting exposure to Mm. that which you are not familiar with. Because if you know people on an intimate level, it's really hard to stereotype them. You're not going to do that. When you ask that question, it reminds me of there's this black guy in Japan and he does children's shows. There's like a children TV show Mm. and it's really helped over there with children accepting black people because it's like he's just a normal guy in the show he's not like a joke character or anything he's just like a regular character and Mm -hmm. just normalizing that yeah is goes a huge way Mm -hmm. and so i i often think about that also what i'm trying to do with my skits you know Mm -hmm. like i'm showing hey this is a black guy he has many facets to him he's not just a black guy and he plays basketball and (laughs) loves hip-hop you know
1: yeah that totally reminds me of um There's an initiative out there where drag queens read books to kids. And then kids ask all these questions. (laughs) (laughs) They look fabulous. I have have questions. (laughs) All right. Let's talk one more about you and your career. So how did you... I mean, you kind of talked about using humor to deal with being bullied when you were young. Mm -hmm. But how did you become a comedian professionally?
0: Well, I didn't intend on becoming a comedian. I wanted to be an actor first and foremost. But when I first moved back, it wasn't like people are lining up to sign me or hire me because you have no portfolio. You don't have a resume of anything. And so during that time, I thought, well, instead of just waiting around like every other actor does, I'm going to start creating my own skits. Mm. And so I did that. And through my first skit, it got a little traction and I got my first commercial opportunity from that. Some producer reached out to me.
1: And it's then, fancy. yeah,
0: and then obviously I'm a humorous guy, so yeah. my skits tend to go. <laughs>
1: you're like, my that. skits are amazing.
0: <laughs> what? I just, what? You said that. You said that.
1: <laughs> yes, Taiwan hereby endorses all of ours, <laughs> so I'm kidding. But, okay, going to your skits on mm-hmm. some of the examples you already mentioned, mm-hmm. you're drawing from your everyday experiences. How do you come up with the content? You know, my favorite one are the Amma skits. The Amma
0: skits. I mean, that's just my Amma. Those aren't even skits. Some of them. It's just real life. That's just how she is. So I'll give you a bit of background about her. I mean, she was very unfortunate when she was younger. She was the oldest of six, seven children. And so she had to take care of them. So she never actually went to school. So she has the education of about a lower schooler. And so she's very cute in that she'll ask questions. You know, she'll be like, why is the sky blue? And I'm like, well, it's because of the the filtering of the sunlight and blah 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 the wavelengths, and and she's like, oh, okay. So she's very young at heart, almost.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Whenever I do skits with her, actually, those are hidden camera pranks, isn't? It? Because she doesn't like being filmed. If she's she knows she's being filmed, she'll mm-hmm. say, "I'm so ugly. Why would you film me? Stop filming me. Stop filming." Or she'll just clam up and not talk at all and not give you any reaction.
1: <laughs> So, yeah.
0: And and obviously, when I imitate her, it's inspired totally by what she does.
1: Do you have a content strategy?
0: It's honestly just whatever I'm inspired by, you know, like, for example, um, a recent skit that I wanted to do was that I just thought of yesterday was because I was talking with some friends and they were discussing what they wanted and a guy they would want to date. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're like, yeah, I want a guy who's financially independent and I don't want to rely on him. I want to be independent, too. You know, I don't want to be that. And immediately, I just thought of a (laughs) skin where I was like, okay, so this girl demands that the boyfriend take care of her. And the Mm. boyfriend says, okay, then bring some rope over. And she's like, what? A rope? She's like, yes, I'm going to bind your feet. We're going to do some foot binding now. That just popped in my head. And it's just, I guess I'm good at making those random connections.
1: Yeah. And I feel like there is a message there as well. So are you always trying to kind of sneak in a few deeper messages?
0: I'm not necessarily trying always, but Mm -hmm. I think there are because I play with a lot of gender relations. And there's just a lot of undertones often Mm -hmm. in my skits Mm -hmm. that go beyond what you're seeing on the screen. Mm -hmm. So that's actually something I want to do eventually with my YouTube is explain the skits some more. Because people just think, you know, oh, it's just funny, right? But why is it funny? It's funny because there's different layers and that's what makes a skit good.
1: Yeah. Do you think the Taiwanese audience picks up on that?
0: Some definitely do. Mm-hmm. Some do. Yeah.
1: Okay. On the flip side of this, what do you think is something that's really difficult about being a comedian that people maybe don't know?
0: It's not hard, mm-hmm. I would say. It's just that people always want to pitch you. They're like, ah, you should do this. <laughs> you should do that. And then you're like, no, nah, no, 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 no. I'm good. You know? I don't want to hear everyone's input necessarily because I have my own ideas. And if if I were to do what someone else was suggesting, then that wouldn't be me. Like, sure, I can make what you're saying funny somewhat, Mm -hmm. but it's not what I want to do, I guess. It's one of those odd things where you have to constantly come up with different skits. And so that's, I guess, what people would think is the hard part. Mm. But that also is the part that I'm good at. Mm. One of the things that I, I don't like is to keep doing... The same themed skit. I'm afraid of monotony, so I don't like to do the same kind of skit. You know, so one of my most popular skits was the Beetle Nut skit, and everyone was like, "Oh, you should just keep doing those." Uh-huh. But after I did about three, I was like, "No, I don't want to do it anymore." Three, unless a lot. Yeah, unless <laughs> like it was, it, I had like a really good idea uh-huh. to mesh with it. You know, I don't want to keep doing the same thing. This is playing the long game, honestly, because there are people who blow up for a certain thing, but yeah. they just do that one thing. Mm-hmm. And after a while, it gets old, you know, yeah. so it's much more valuable to be a person that has that's multifaceted and has many other skits that you can keep doing over time.
1: I did pick up that you mentioned you want people to know that you are multifaceted a few times. What do you think is important for people to know about you?
0: I'm a guy, and I'm also a girl. And so, you know, you know, you know what cracks me up? I have a friend who every time I go to his house, he lives with his cousin, and her cousin goes, "Yeah, it sounds like ten people." I knew Brandon was over because <laughs> there's so many voices in my head. You know, I'm just doing all these characters. There's a lot of characters. You have in a lot here. of personality. There's a lot of characters.
1: Mm. Do you think people expect you to be happy all the time? Because I have some comedian friends as well, and they put a lot of pressure on themselves. Mm-hmm they feel like they always have to have this level of energy and people are expecting them to be the hype person or cheer them up.
0: I'm genuinely a pretty happy person, so that doesn't apply to me. I know there's the whole cliche of the depressed comedian. There's a lot of that, but with myself, I do take care of myself a lot. Like, I take the best vitamins, go to sleep at 10 p.m. every night, I work out, I get my nine hours of sleep, and these things make a difference. If I'm not doing that, Mm -hmm. that's when I do get sad or not happy. Like mm-hmm. I'm eating terrible foods and I'll be in a funk or something. But if you're I'm taking care of myself, I'm good. But there is the misconception that I'm always really crazy. You know, people before they meet me, they see my skiz, they think, "Oh, I thought you'd be crazy and wild all the time." And it's like if I were like that, I'd probably be in jail. Like you would, <laughs> I'd probably be in jail. You can't possibly keep that up.
1: So, you're, you're a comedian on YouTube, you're on TV shows, you're on TikTok. What's your favorite medium? all of them
0: and why right now it's tiktok because it's the best bang for buck the cp you know i could spend about a minute making a tiktok video and it could blow up and get millions of views Uh the same cannot be said about youtube just the barriers to entry are much higher for youtube you got to have a certain level of quality it's got to be a certain length Uh sure you can make money off of it directly but Uh chances are i could spend you know 10,000 US on a YouTube video and nobody sees it. And that's such a soul crusher. That's definitely happened for where I put a lot of effort oh. into a video and it doesn't do as well as I think. And I'm like, oh man, yeah. was that worth it? Whereas TikTok, you're just having fun and it, it can be really short and yeah. there's a lot of effects you can play with. I just broke into the top 250 TikTokers in Taiwan so there's that. <gasps>
1: Yay! Yay!
0: I intend to be
1: I'm the bottom king. bottom 200. <laughs> bottom. <Yay. laughs> um, what's your favorite work that you're most proud of?
0: My favorite work. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh Hold my god. That. That's a <laughs> song we that's not really my work. I sang we used to sing that song in local school. Yeah, that's something we all sang. I was in second grade when I learned that song. We would all sing it. So to all you non-Chinese speakers, I'm just saying like, Oy, Oy, Oyster Vermicelli. <laughs> beef, beef, beef noodle soup. And just in a really sexual voice. It doesn't make any sense, but we all sang it. It was funny.
1: And for the record,
0: that is your most proud work. That is not. You're putting words in my mouth. (laughs) Oh my gosh. One of my favorites is the video I did with the cop where I'm pulled over by a policeman. And I speak a bunch of languages to get get out of getting a ticket. Because that's a true story. I really met a policeman who spoke English and Spanish. And I was whoa I was, I was like dang i'm in trouble i need to come up with something so i started speaking gibberish and he was like what he's like you next time bring license go go and i was like okay nice i got away but after that video a lot of cops recognized me so i don't, i can't oh, play with no. that as much
1: what was the most surprising maybe tiktok because that has you know the most virality factor mm-hmm. yeah. What was the most surprising tiktok that blew up for you
0: there's one where I'm in the gym and I'm shirtless. and I just go, two trainers approach me and they say, sir, you need to put on a shirt. You can't work out here shirtless. And I go, oh, no, my tits are too big. I can't. And they go, no, you need to put on a shirt. And they just start chasing me. And that's it. That's the skit. And that and one blew up. <laughs> yeah, that was like a, a story. People. That was an Instagram story. It wasn't even like, oh, you know, wow. messing around. But you never know. That's why TikTok is so valuable. Everybody is on an even playing field. The way the algorithm works, it's like 10 people see it. And if a high percentage of those interact with it, then it will show more people and more and more and so on and so forth. Stuff like Instagram and Facebook nowadays is throttled. Not Mm -hmm. even all your followers see your own work, see Mm -hmm. your work, the stuff you post, Uh maybe 10%. And if it goes viral, maybe 30. You have to pay money in order for people to see it. Like you, If you put 500 NT, then all of your followers could see it. It's such a small amount, but they just want you to pay.
1: Mm, yeah, I do agree with that. I think for me as well, who uses all these platforms. So I'm more on the consuming side mm-hmm. of things. But I love TikTok because I'm actually getting to explore or find new talent or people who actually have produced really great content that deserve to be seen. And they really do have that chance to blow up even.
0: Right, exactly.
1: Whereas Instagram—it's a curated group of people with the check marks.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And yeah, it's just what they say and what they want to distribute. To everybody,
0: but it's weird because a check mark—it doesn't even mean as much nowadays because mm-hmm. so many people have it. I mean, it's honestly—if I, ha- I
1: don't have it—I mean, if, <laughs>
0: if you have a company, um, your company can apply for mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. you, and then it's really easy to get. It—I don't think it means you have a better algorithm either. You
1: know? Do you have any plans? For what's next for you, in terms of your vision, where you want to bring this.
0: So I'm focusing a lot on TikTok right now. I'm going to keep grinding with that. All hustle, no swag. You know what it is. Baby Blazing TW, half black, half Asian, half werewolf, half vampire. Okay. Anyways, (laughs) there's that. I'm also working on movies, working together with uh, some good friends. And we're Mm -hmm. writing a script and getting that together. I also have my own TV show now. So there's that. So, yeah, working on more long-term projects.
1: Mm-hmm. Is there sort of a, a genre or a theme with the movies or is it too early the to The movie,
0: share? it's it's comedy. It's going to be comedy,
1: yeah. Is it t- sort of a Taiwan-centric comedy?
0: Taiwan-centric comedy, yeah. Because if you want people in Taiwan to watch it, it's got to be Taiwan-centric. It'll be in Chinese
1: and oh. Taiwanese, yeah. I did notice a lot of your content isn't Mandarin, Are you looking to make more English-based content?
0: No, because the way the algorithm works, I'm in Taiwan, so Mm. it doesn't make sense for me to make English content. For example, just for TikTok, the video first has to blow up in Taiwan in order for it to go international. So it has to be consumed by Taiwanese people first, and then it has a chance for non taiwanese people to see it.
1: I see, I see, I see.
0: So I have done English skits in the past, but they do not do well at all on TikTok.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I
0: could subtitle them, but I feel like my forte is doing it in Chinese. Yeah. So I just keep oh, at it. Just yeah. curious.
1: Yeah. So let's bring you all back to Taiwan. What does Taiwan mean to you?
0: Taiwan, the fresh smell of jungle.
1: <laughs> We're a in first. a valley. We're in a really valley.
0: High. And I just love how you can get out into nature. You know, it's yeah. like a 20 minute drive no matter where you are in the city to go out into a beautiful green, lush area.
1: I know that you mentioned third culture kid and mm-hmm. kind of feeling like you don't perfectly fit in everywhere. I recently moved back to Taiwan and it does also, like even though it feels like home to me, I struggle with communicating to my own family my business idea. And so <laughs> <laughs> I know it's sad. And then, yeah, th- that's a frustrating point for me is I want to belong, but there are also points where I don't feel like I can really, you know, I am completely Taiwanese so I wonder do you feel Taiwanese and what does that mean to you
0: I think I've gotten a little more into my Taiwanese roots by learning Taiwanese that's Mm. helped a lot because it's the language of gangsters here to be honest (laughs) with you it's like if you speak Taiwanese people will just give you respect you know there's that much more respect you want to hear a funny story about that Yeah. Okay. So this one time I went to this hot spring. It's a wild hot spring in the wild with my then girlfriend and her friends. So it's like three girls and me and we're all there chilling and there's this middle-aged guy and he's kind of standing behind me behind a tree taking photos of the girls. Like the girls are doing their Instagram photo shoot thing and they're all just in bikinis and he's standing there taking photos of them. At first I was – I thought to myself, whatever, you know, just – He's taking photos. They're taking photos of themselves anyway. It doesn't matter. But then when I look back at one point, he smiles at me and he gives me a thumbs up. And I got really mad. I was like, this guy. So I go up to him. I was like, hey, delete all the photos. This is all in Chinese. Uh So I say, delete all the photos in your phone right now. He says, what photos? What are you talking about? I didn't take any photos. I was like, you know what I'm talking about. You took photos. He says, no, I didn't. He's like, this is my phone. I can do what I want. And then I switched to Taiwanese. I said, if you got the balls, let's fight. <laughs> and he was like, oh, bunch of, bunch of, bunch of, Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. And he immediately like deleted the photos and stuff. And I was like, well, that was nice. You know, it's, yeah.
1: That's a new pitch to learn Taiwanese. Yes. I haven't heard of yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And do you feel like you wanting to learn Taiwanese is a reflection of your relationship with your ama?
0: Oh, yeah, totally. Because, you know, her Taiwanese is much better than her Chinese. And so a lot of times she'll just speak to me in Taiwanese. I'm like, I'm a, apple? I don't know what she's saying. Oh. I think she'll just go on. And then she'll just be like, well, how do you not know? Th- uh, I know enough to know that she's saying, how do you not know Taiwanese? You Taiwanese, you'll know Taiwanese. <laughs> I'm like, uh oh. So, yeah, I'm making an effort.
1: That is my favorite part still, which is that relationship. Yes. What does your ama mean to you? What's
0: Ooh. She's just a, a sweetie pie, and she's super curious. She sure nags a lot, and she's a homebody. But we just have a very special bond because, like I said earlier, she's a child at heart. She likes to ask mm. a lot of these kind of funny questions. But I have no problem answering them because I'm also a very curious person. I'm always learning, so I'm willing. And I'm willing to spend the time with her to explain to her. She could be nagging me in, in an annoying way, but I'll make it funny. She'll be like, you turn off the lights. It's, you're wasting money. Like, why you never turn off the lights? I'll be like, <laughs> I'll turn off the lights and like ask for money or something. You know, just like <laughs> there's, there's things you can do. That, and the way that I deal with conflict a lot of times with through humor. And so that, I think that really helped with the bond between us. Yeah,
1: you're like a little bit like unlikely best friends.
0: Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. You know, a lot of TV shows have asked, like, where's your grandma? We want to do a travel show with you and your grandma. I was like, I would be so down. But uh, unfortunately, she's in the States. Oh,
1: uh, yeah. I'd watch that.
0: Yeah, right?
1: Really, I would. So how do we support <laughs> you and your projects? What's the best way to support you? Like
0: stuff. and subscribe. <laughs> Blazing TW on all platforms. You know, this is one thing that I want to bring up. I subtitle all my videos. You know how much work that is? That's so much damn work in Chinese and English. Ain't nobody do that. I do that for you. So you can improve your Chinese, Taiwanese, mm-hmm. and English. Yeah, all that.
1: So if we want to learn Mandarin English and Taiwanese. Yeah. should watch Because I use, I use a exactly. lot of
0: slang. You know, I learn a funny Taiwanese term or a Chinese term. And I'll use it in my skits. And then, you know, I'll try to find the English equivalent.
1: That's how I learned my Mandarin. Oh, really? Shaongju. And <laughs> now, Brandon's TikTok videos. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope you found that episode entertaining and touching. Follow Branded on TW, like you said, for more entertainment. And I hope we can all reflect as Taiwanese to be more inclusive, especially of the cultures that are marginalized in this country. Remember to rate, subscribe, and tell your friends. Thank you for listening. Taiwan Jiayou!